0: Hello, Hello, this is Fam Electric Ghost. We have Caroline Mercedes on the phone.
1: Hi. Yeah, How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing?
0: So I just do a little intro. I'm Fam Electric Ghost. I'm an indie music um, songwriter and producer. And I've had this podcast since 2018 uh, where we interview indie artists from around the world. And we're talking to Caroline Mercedes. You're, you're uh, an artist from New Jersey. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, so I'm um, from West New York, which no one ever knows where it is. Um, it's, so you say saying so New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, so I say New Jersey. It's uh, right across the, the river from New York. So it's like by Hoboken, by Jersey City. Okay. Close to there, yeah.
0: That's cool. So yeah, we like to talk to indie artists. Uh, we've been talking to indie artists again since 2018. We've talked to over 30 indie artists from around the world. And now we're talking to Caroline Mercedes. And you're a singer-songwriter?
1: I am. I... Um, used to just call myself a singer, but I write everything <laughs> and um I used to write poetry growing up, so that's like a big part of why I kind of got into music and started doing that kind of like as a therapy kind of thing um so yeah, singer songwriter <laughs> the short answer.
0: yeah, we're gonna go through the questions, but you have a single out on um on Spotify and I called crushed and I was listening mm-hmm. to it and it had. I kind of felt like an Indy Ari, Badoo Badu, kind of neo-soul vibe from it.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. That's crazy that you um, you noticed that. So I am obsessed with Indy Ari, with Like, the new kind of age soul artist. Like, Ari Lennox is amazing. Yeah. I listen to her all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Erica Badu is literally the greatest of all time. Yeah. So um, I just love music that makes you feel something and makes you kind of go there with the artists so yeah bag, lady, kind of was,
0: bag lady was a big favorite in my day but you know I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> old school big time
1: <laughs> no way <laughs> <But 'cause... laughs> I was... sorry go ahead
0: <laughs> well I've, I've been an artist since I was 17 and I'm like 52 years old I, I just got signed last year so it shows you that if you stay in the game you can eventually get somewhere
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely just kind of have to be consistent and persistent
0: yeah, but it's just interesting because this is in an age where people, you know, people listen to 1920s music, they listen mm-hmm. to jazz, their people mix a new wave with punk and hip-hop with rock, and there's so much cross-genre that it's really cool to, to be in this time, except for, what you know, corona.
1: <laughs> yeah, except for the quarantine happening, but it's super cool. I, I agree with you on that, too. Um, I definitely see a crossing of genres. I kind of, that's one of the reasons I don't even know what to call myself. People ask me what kind of genre of music do I sing, but it's so all over the place. I can't really pinpoint it to one.
0: Yeah, that's why I kind of came up with the label expansive sound because I I, I merge like progressive rock with jazz, with hip hop, with punk. So I end up calling it expansive sound because it means like you bring everything. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, you need a little bit of everything.
0: Yeah, so so I'm going to get into the questions. Like first, when did you first get into music and at what age?
1: So um, I've always been into music um, ever since I was teeny tiny. <laughs> My mom uh, brought home the VHS of Selena when I was, I guess, like six or five or six around that age. Um, and I fell in love. I literally watched that movie at least a million times every time that I got the chance to Uh, my mom actually lost it quote unquote um, (laughs) a couple of times so that I wouldn't watch it Um, so you know seeing that movie and listening to all of Selena's music really inspired me Um, I knew that that's what I wanted to do when I grew up but that that was like the vision I always thought about it (laughs) that was something always in the back of my mind Um, We also had like a music store right on the main avenue in my town, which is like two blocks away from me. Um, I would actually beg my mom to go all the time. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So I would always have to get, you know, the old cassette tapes and the ones that nobody wanted or returned. And I started falling in love with music, other types of music other than um, Selena's, which is like new age ranchero type of like Latino music. Cool. Um and I fell in love with like no doubt Gwen Stefani like Rock Steady was my favorite album ever Shakira, um and all of the now that's what I call music mm-hmm. I was literally their biggest fan <laughs> I had all of their cassettes um so I just started getting to music that way and I listened to as much music as I could when I could and it drove my family crazy.
0: <laughs> so when did you start working on like um? You know honing your craft as a vocalist or a singer songwriter when did you start realizing you wanted to like do you, yeah, yeah a lot of people are music fans and they really get mm-hmm. into it but then there are the people that actually decide well i'm gonna write my own song and that's a different type of person yeah than even yeah. a studio musician that you know really doesn't write their own music they play you know you could be a classical musician you could be a studio musician there's a different type of person that actually decides to be a creator. Yeah. yeah. So what 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 kind of drove you to kind of write your own?
1: So I I've, I've grown up my entire life just loving to read and loving to write. Um so I used to kind of go to the book fairs that my school had every year and I would kind of pick up every poetry book that I could and buy what I could. Um and I would just kind of learn from there. So like I first started writing poetry when I was maybe 9. Um, And I have like my poetry books here all around my room. And um, I just loved it. It was my favorite thing to do. Kind of helped me de-stress. I don't know what kind of stress I had as a (laughs) nine-year-old, but it helped me kind of like get a little creative. Um, And then that is my passion for writing came from there for sure. Um, and then singing, I was always in chorus. Um, I signed up for it every year, <laughs> so um, in, until high school. And then in high school, I joined um, the uh, the musical department. So I was in every musical from freshman year to senior year, um, kind of doing background because I was too scared to kind of like admit to myself and show everyone that I had a nice voice or that I liked. way that I sounded or that I was a singer at all Mm -hmm. um so yeah so um I was always involved in music always in some kind of facility I would either be in band or chorus or both um and as of recently um the reason why I kind of got on into kind of considering to write my own music and do my own thing is because my grandmother passed away a year and a half ago um, and she was actually my biggest fan ever. She would tell me that I needed to go on The Voice, um, and win us some money, um, and she would just constantly be telling me that it was something that I should have definitely gotten into, and when she passed away, it kind of, like, woke me up and, um, made me feel like I could believe my, uh, sorry, believe in myself the way that she believed in me, um, so that's why I started kind of getting into it as of recently because I've always been too shy but I decided to kind of snap out of it and do what I needed to do for myself.
0: That's interesting because I've talked to a lot of songwriters and a lot of them you know after talking like 30 different people over the last two years a Mm -hmm. lot of people started with poetry a lot of people were very shy and it's it's very (laughs) it's very common that you'd be surprised at how many even, you know, you know the, the big famous, you know, ones are like, you know, Prince was known to be super shy. Like he could yeah. not talk to people directly. But when he be- I mean, got into his persona, when he did his music, he
1: mm-hmm. just
0: became like another person. And a lot of musicians and singers, uh, lead singers I've talked to say they feel more comfortable on stage than like in their life. <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> they feel more comfortable in the song booth or more comfortable on their instrument. And a lot of musicians seem to have that. You know, they Mm -hmm. seem to have this kind of thing where they can kind of go into another character like an actor or an actress.
1: Yeah, because it definitely is that kind of level of persona that you have when you write your music because I do definitely write music that applies to me and I write music that is personal to me. But a lot of times I write some music that is just kind of like what I think somebody else would think about and I kind of get into their mindset and they're like, um, what they would think about and how they would react and how they would do things and a lot of times when I show my friends or people around me songs, they're kind of just like, "Where did you come from? Where is this? <laughs> Where is this coming from?" So yeah, lot, I, I definitely yeah, agree with that.
0: A lot of singer-songwriters like project like a stagecraft image, you know, like a Lady mm-hmm. Gaga or like a David Bowie, you know, the, you know the famous people like even Tina Turner projected this like larger than life persona you know Diana Ross she, she projected yeah. this persona you know Marvin Gaye. and if you actually talk to them in their real life they never seemed as big as their is their image um, right but but it's like part of the talent of being like a singer-songwriter or musician is you you kind of do you know you do acting you know a lot of times you do separate or you tell stories that might have a piece of you in it or do you, you actually can figure out how to you know write like a playwright you write like little stories and songs yes. songs are stories and if you start with poetry you kind of know that And you know a yeah. lot of the famous artists like Dylan and Hendrix and you know Paul McCartney they, they all wrote like stories the, you know a lot of the famous songwriters always write songs that actually tell you a story they have characters that, that that if you look into the you know the history of music that's where a lot of the really great songs have that kind of picture you can picture everybody can kind of picture it themselves what the artist is saying and interpret them but that's you know your singer or songwriter they're storytellers
1: yeah for sure most of my songs are definitely stories and um you know it's <laughs> it's hard for me because i'll look at all of my lyrics that i have and then i'll think like I need, maybe I need a fun one on there. <laughs> I'm just yeah. trying to think about what I can kind of write about, and it just doesn't come naturally. And I think it's from the poetry. So you're absolutely right about that.
0: Yeah, well, sometimes what happens is because some writers, like, you, you want to write happy, and you, know, you want to be able to do like a happy, kind of nonsensical Beatles song. I mean, even mm-hmm. the Beatles, you know, went from doing Help and Love Me Do and all these kind of poppy songs, they were like the original boy band. And then they started doing psychedelic and weird, like, strange songs that didn't really mean anything or they seemed to be, like, really left field. And that's, like, when you become a songwriter, you know, you can do the happy. But sometimes, like, where your heart is is, like, where they started doing the White Album and to Pepper and Art Abbey Road. Those aren't, like, easy songs to, like, try to figure out. They're not, like, all happy songs. They're, like, they said something. They were you know and that's what tends to happen eventually like if you become like deep into your songwriting you're, your fans mm-hmm. might want something but you tend to move in another direction yeah and for sure work. i mean
1: because yeah <laughs> because at the end of the day it's like it's the music that's for you that everybody can kind of enjoy i i love doing this and i love writing and and singing and it's something so personal to me and i think maybe that's why it took me so long to kind of begin um but definitely, I can definitely see that, like, it definitely changes that, Changes
0: as that you change. Yeah, and sometimes people, like Prince, the famous thing was, like, everybody wanted him to keep on replicating Purple Rain,
1: mm-hmm. and he
0: went beyond. Many, many times, he went beyond. He went into different personas between, like, you know, Parade was a different persona than what was mm-hmm. the kid, you know, and then Sign of the Times was a different persona than, than Purple Rain. He would change and then his fans kept on wanting them well just do 1999 or just do but he was beyond that you know and and then he would do it but he really wanted to keep on progressing to to the end you know he was doing jazz he was doing classical he's doing heavy rock he's doing progressive stuff he he didn't want to just stay in one form and and you'll see that a lot of artists you know they try to please their fans but you do try to please yourself and hope that your fans find something in, in your work that's relevant you
1: know <laughs> yeah you need to have a vision and um know uh that there isn't a limit on what you can do for sure
0: so you you've talked about your influence and you said no doubt you've talked about selena mm-hmm. um are there other people that you were influenced by you know specific i said indyari i could i could feel that and erica yeah uh, any other so-
1: yeah, so Erica Badu, Selena, Shakira, they're they're all up there for sure. Um, but my tastes and my kind of like references and stuff are so all over the place, which is cliche because I'm sure everybody says that. No, that's really um,
0: good. I, I like to yeah. get into the deeper ones. They maybe yeah. are not as apparent.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love Regina Spectre. I love Folky kind of Indie, different um, kind of music. Fiona Apple is oh, that's, amazing. She's awesome. Yeah,
0: she's awesome.
1: Yeah, Frank Sinatra. Um, that's a, it's good, just that's all a great over one. place. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, a lot of people Sinatra, don't want to yeah, say too. that
0: today. Like, they, I, there are some people like, oh, why you know, but, you know, Frank was a great songwriter and a great singer. Um,
2: oh, yeah.
0: And a lot of people, like, I, I'll, I mean, I'm into electronic music, and I'll, I'll talk about Johnny Cash. People are like, what? It's like, why would you talk about Johnny Cash? Because Johnny Cash was a great songwriter.
1: Yeah, he was amazing. <laughs> and so,
0: and so it's like whether or not it's country or jazz or Coltrane or Davis or, you know, or No Doubt, you know, anybody you look at today, you know, you look at somebody like, um, you know, that the I, I get into, it's like, you know, like uh, Tyler, the creator, you know, Tyler, the creator, yeah. he, you know, he created a whole festival, you know, he created, he had ideas beyond his own music. And, and
1: I love that. Yeah,
0: that's, that's kind of <laughs> cool because he actually brought a whole community of artists that weren't just hip hop, weren't just rap. He's bringing like everybody. You know, that's that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah. Bringing everyone together. There was something that he said in his Grammy um, winning speech uh, after the show. He mentioned how everybody kind of categorizes him as hip hop or urban. Um, when his album was all over the place. Yeah. Um, and he basically says that he doesn't see the need for a genre to be placed on an award or on an, a work of art <laughs> that somebody creates because it's... Uh,
0: yeah, because he was kind it's of something that's, Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. There's he, like
1: a mixture of everything.
0: He was upset about the urban category, which he feels... And I think also, cause like if you're an African-American musician, look at a guy like Frank Ocean. Mm-hmm. Frank Ocean's like beyond... Yeah. Any kind of you, you could say he's neo soul, but he's got psychedelic, he's got rock, he's got hip hop, he's all over the place. It's just like like Tyler; they're both in the same kind of vein. And and when when you just say it's urban or you just say it's soul, you're kind of limiting mm-hmm. the reach of that artist. And you know, African American artists have always gotten hit with, oh, you're just a blues guy, or oh, you're just a hip hop, or you. He's like, you know, if you if you go back and look at all the great african-american artists they were always kind of pushing the envelope you know and it's it's, yeah. it's hard to categorize like hendrix was like no he's a big hero to me because he's like the greatest guitar player in the world even today and he was mm-hmm. african-american and everybody would like oh it's eddie van halen or oh, it's this but hendrix is still considered in the top 10 fight number one and and yeah, people sure. and people look at rock music and they t- tend to think it's only like heavy metal it's only like White people, and not to say that but that's what a lot of people think. But you know, one of the greatest guitar players of all time is an African American, (laughs) and and it came from guys like Lead Belly and Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry, and and you know, rock was always was kind of started from the blues, Um, Mm -hmm. and and African Americans have contributed to music like amazing contributions, and then some people try to try to put us into like little niche categories when we kind of started multiple genres
1: (laughs) yeah i definitely agree and um speaking of that you know i don't little nas x with old town road it just it's it was so controversial at first because nobody wanted to play his music on country yeah yeah, country radio yeah Um, but it is country and um it kind of took what's his name Billy Ray Cyrus yeah, to so I kind, of push, kind of push that. Yeah, yeah,
0: because yeah, I mean I, I have family that came from Morgantown, West Virginia, so part of my family go like hillbillies, like black hillbillies, They're coal miners. And yes. they loved like Johnny Cash, they loved Willie Nelson, they lo- loved all this like country stuff. And, and you know, my grandpa played a banjo. He could play like country, really folk, Americana music from an African per- American perspective because there were a lot of you know, black people that worked in the coal mines in Appalachia. And they, they, they had that kind of country vibe. So when I heard that song, I was like, well, a lot of people think that's like surprising, but if you ever went to Morgantown, West Virginia, you, you would be surprised how many black people like country music. Um, <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and it's like, it's not something that people rec- realize, you know, and, and we've always liked multiple types of music. You know, we've always been involved in many aspects of music. Um,
1: Absolutely, very versatile.
0: Yeah, if you go back and look at a band like Funkadelic, which is the heart of almost all hip hop, yeah, uh, Bernie World, the the keyboardist for Funkadelic, was classically trained at like, uh, uh, you know, it, it, at, at a big, big like music school. I think he went to like B- uh, Berkeley School of Music. He was a ca- classically trained pianist, and he created funk. Him and Bootsy Collins, along with George Clinton, you know, they in, in within that that um, that whole hip hop genre of, of funkadelic and Parliament Funkadelic, Bernie Worrell was the classically trained pianist that created all the synth grooves the hip hop samples up to like, you know, the Chronic and all the hip hop you hear in the '90s was all coming from guys that were, you know, heavily classically trained. And they you know, but they didn't get the recognition. You know, so you you have to look it up to figure find out that these guys are like. They were funksters, but they actually had a okay. base and like amazing capability, um, uh, which that's is... That's so you know, crazy.
1: I had yeah. no idea that they were classically trained. That's so cool.
0: Yeah. It's like to see. You know, well, if you think about how how complicated funk and jazz is, you kind of have to come from there to be able to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, you have to know what you're doing in order to kind of be all over the place. Yeah, to
0: kind of create those <laughs> funk grooves, you kind of have, have to have an understanding of the scales and understanding of beats and, yeah. and and chord structures to kind of create something that you know it's so fun and funky but like to do it you have to be like an expert musician
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> but
0: but but it's interesting so your writing style you know it has your cross genre you like mm-hmm. many different things uh, you've been, you've do. pushed those in like from frank sinatra to the, to what you, you just talked about R E and all the mm-hmm. other influences um So when you put together music, do you use like the tools today, the digital audio workstation to use like acoustic guitars or pianos or how do you actually put down your music? You work with producers or what do you do?
1: So for the most part, I've been working with producers. I'm actually trying to um, learn how to produce myself Mm. so that I can be able to kind of come up with my own sound. Um, But I've been working with some great producers, um, people who just understand, especially if we've gone into depth about, you know, what my influences are and everything like that. Um, And it's been awesome working with them, but I can't wait until I can just kind of make a beat from beginning to end for myself. Um, And I've been kind of working on that now during the quarantine. Um, So I'm excited to see like what happens. I actually made a beat the other day, which is funny that you, we were talking about the cross genre um, situation. I actually wrote a pop, like, not a pop, sorry, a punk rock kind of beat. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I had my friend Emma write on it too. And we kind of came up with this awesome kind of like experimental punk rock band kind of song. And it's probably one of the, be- like, one of my favorite songs that I've written to date for sure. Um, and like, I'm just so obsessed with it, and I can't wait to kind of get more into yeah. that. and Yeah, and dabble into kind of more genres as I start to make my own music.
0: That's interesting, I'm always pushing, like, I work with a lot of artists, um, you know, but I, I'm a home producer, I'm a keyboardist by heart, I'm a synthesist, so I have, in my home studio over the years, I have, you know, real, like, 808s, you know, Roland's and Modes, and I'm a keyboardist, wow. so I actually have, you know, synthesizers. Like, not, mm-hmm. not like Dawes, but I actually have hardware, you know, modular, analog, digital sense like Rollins and profits and stuff like that. But, you know, people don't have the money to have that or the space to have it. But what's cool when you have tools like the tools I have, you mm-hmm. can build tones. You don't have to buy tones. You, my synthesizers create sound from waves. And yeah. you, you, they, I can just build from a square wave or a sine wave. I can build my own sounds. As I never, I, I don't amazing. have. I build my own beats because I have my own drum machines and my own, you know, machines to actually do it. Um, right. So, like, I just can consistently just in my home studio. If I just wake up and go over to my keyboard and just do whatever I want, um, and that's kind of cool. If you get like different tools that are out there today, uh, like yeah. you know, Akai MPCs are real, really good for artists that don't know how to play an instrument, but they're like grid based. Um, MIDI controllers to have sounds in them.
1: They have yeah. drums
0: in them. So, like if you're starting out and trying to create your own thing, like a so machine like an a- Akai MPC One or a- an did. Akai Force, they're like grid-based machine standalone workstations that you oh, can nice. you can have in your bedroom. You can look them up on the net, but they allow you to use a grid. And the grid can be played with your hand, like a piano, or you can just play it and tap it. You can create beats. You can take samples, you can place them in the song. It has, this, has an image, it wow. has, has a screen that allows you to see what you would see on a dog, but you don't need a computer. And
2: oh wow! And the cool okay.
0: thing about these machines, it's kind of better than the computer. Like if you have to buy a computer, then you have to buy Pro Tools, you got to spend all this money. But mm-hmm. if you get an MPC, which rappers have been using the MPC for the Kai, it's like one of the preferred things next to an 808 for creating like hip hop. But they also create full songs, you know, like Synthwave, EDM, the DJs, they use them. And you can you can build a full song. You can put the bass lines in, you can take your vocals and then place them as samples, and you can sample yourself. You can do all these things. And it just gives you like uh, a, a non linear way of constructing music, which is, oh, wow. is pretty cool. And I would encourage, like, since you're a singer songwriter you want to get into production, look at <laughs> it. <this> just drops on <laughs> Look at it. Sounds like one? that is um, it's kind of exciting you know there's a lot of tools out there that Mm -hmm. allow artists that are singer-songwriters kind of create their own beats not be kind of hostage to other producers not that that's bad but it's cool if you've got the gumption to kind of want to do your own thing there's a lot of cool tools out there uh, that allow you to, to build your own music
1: I'm definitely going to look that up, the MPC. Yeah, after, there's different, uh, there's different levels. Fiction. Like the
0: one is one of the cheaper ones, and the Force is more expensive. But the one mm-hmm. just came out, and it's under a 1000 And it's uh, the ability to match a DAW. It can match somebody with, their, with their, their math book and Pro Tools or Ableton Live. It can pretty much do that kind of structure.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So that's definitely going to be on my checklist for sure. I actually found um, an M-Audio keyboard MIDI on my, like, on my block. Somebody threw it out, and I, when I saw it, I just couldn't help myself. Well, that's a good start. (laughs) Yeah. Because
0: you could link that to any kind of, you know, DAW on your computer, and then you can do, you know, downloads from any other DAW, SoftSense, it's just cool to have your own kind of grid-based system. Then it kind of lets you do non-linear production, which yeah opens it up. But that's there's a lot of cool ways of doing things. So you're already collaborated with producers. Mm-hmm. You've, you've worked with that. Have You've worked with any other musicians? Like you said, you worked with the other person on this punk song. Yeah. Are you continuing to look to like have people do features or work with other artists?
1: Yeah, I've actually met a couple of people through performing. Um, and just through mutual friends too. So I have a couple of collabs and collaborations coming up soon. Cool. Um, also, social media is amazing. I've met a couple of people who I'm also collaborating with because of Instagram, um, and that should be coming out pretty soon. There's uh, It's this duo called Tripped and Sat, um, and they're amazing. They're from California, um, and their beats are insane, and they just know how to maneuver and track a song and create it and make sure that it sounds amazing um so i'm really excited about a lot um i love kind of bending the genre kind of exactly what we were talking about before i love kind of putting my spin on it um i actually have this rap feature (laughs) that should be coming out later in the month
0: well you're doing what you need to do i mean artists today You know, it's good to actually collaborate. And now because of the net, you know, now everybody's in quarantine, you could like, you know, people who are on the road, you can actually get in touch with (laughs) and they're not on the road anymore. So I've been actually reaching out to people that that were so busy, you know, playing live sets. Now they actually have time and and I'm I'm working with them and stuff. And it's kind of cool that I can finally get to them. <laughs> but, yeah, but, for sure. But I've been um, you know, working, you know, I did cross collaboration with a band in New York. I did this kind of like rock thing with my alter ego Josephine electric. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I love it. And then um then I did this thing with this um actress in Los Angeles named All Control K. We oh, did wow. this EDM album and she's an actress that also loves music. And, and you know, back in 2017, we did an album. We never met. We just did everything right. through Skype, everything through sending files. So I used FL Studio. I used my home studio. And we had meetings. And we put together an album called Two Infinitum. And, and we, we never wow. physically met. But we put the album out through CD Baby. And mm-hmm. you know, we got it out there. And it's, it's just interesting what you can do. You know, people are like, well, how am I going to do something without going to the studio? But you can't.
1: You know. Yeah, I actually put together that song with them via FaceTime and just emailing and Instagram DMs. So yeah, yeah, it's the, yeah. the new age of um, you definitely recording. Could, yeah,
0: you, I mean, it used to be you had to go to Sound City, you had to go to Olympia, you had to have a big budget, you know, the big companies, the record labels kind of had the gatekeeper and you mm-hmm. couldn't even get anything out unless you went through the studio that you had a recording engineer, you had a producer, you had to have a budget anywhere from like 300,000 to like a million dollars. It was like, you couldn't get anything out, you know, unless you actually went through that system and they were the gatekeepers. And now in today's world, you know, anybody that's a bedroom musician that has access to get their music into Spotify and SoundCloud and all these different places can get their music out without having those gatekeepers. Um,
1: Yeah. And it's amazing. I feel like so many more people can kind of, put out what they have and share it without needing to be under a label because it's hard. Let's be oh, yeah. <laughs> let's be real. It's hard to get signed under a label. Well, it's hard to get, and especially yeah. a good one.
0: Yeah, and even today the signed contracts aren't what they used to be. It used to be you get signed, you get a you'd get in advance, you give they give you money, they give you like a touring manager and mm-hmm. you were kind of set. Like once you got signed, you would be doing the circuit. You would be doing shows. Yeah. You'd have a tour bus, but you had to make money. So your contract would give you an advance. Let's say you're a band, they give you like 500,000 to a million dollars. If you didn't recoup that money after like three albums, the label would drop mm-hmm. you and you might even owe them money.
2: That's yeah, that's <laughs> so, so
0: that's the way the old <laughs> world was. Um, yeah, and now today it's like okay, it's harder to get to that money, and you don't get that big advance, but you're more in right. control of what you're doing, you know.
1: Yeah, which is, it's super freeing and you get to do just whatever you want, um, which can be a blessing and a curse both at the same time, <laughs> mostly a blessing, um, but it's, it's super freeing. And I think that there are going to be so many more artists that we haven't heard of yet coming out because it's so, you're just so able to do anything that you want to, to do basically.
0: And what's interesting because of Rona, like I've been on SoundCloud for years. And SoundCloud Mm -hmm. finally, you know, made it so a lot of artists that are on SoundCloud can monetize their SoundCloud songs now. And we actually can publish our songs now um, through all the streaming services if you're on, like, the Premiere level. Um, Now you have the ability to do that through SoundCloud. And it used to be, like, you had to hit a certain criteria to do it. And, Mm -hmm. And now you can do it if you're on the Premiere level and also they're they're allowing artists because of the whole coronavirus thing they're putting donate buttons that allow artists to put a donate button on your profile and you can get paid oh, wow. um, it actually goes to a PayPal me account that you set up for yourself and people can directly contribute to your efforts to your projects
1: That is so cool I had no idea about that Yeah so, I'm so, going so that's worth yeah gotta <laughs> check
0: it out cuz it's a really cost effective way compared to other um distribution systems if you look at what mm-hmm. they charge not that i'm working for them but if you look at what soundcloud charges to be a premier artist and the fact that you can get distribution and monetization and then you have a mm-hmm. donate button and your music will go to all the streaming services it's kind of like one of the best deals in town next to like distro kid um yeah b- just because it also gives you access to soundcloud playlist and spotify playlist officially like, that's not some hacker doing bots. It's actually oh, wow. coming from the company. So you actually have right. real SoundCloud playlists that show you how many people are on them and, you know, for different genres so you can push your music to different places. Um, and you're, you're in control of it. So I, I think yeah. that these kind of tools, and like Spotify is getting ready to do the same thing. They're getting ready to put donation buttons for all artists. Um Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's finally, you know, it's weird that this crisis had to happen for, for, for these things to happen. I even got a couple of things where online companies are doing, like, online concerts, and they're asking indie artists to do, like, bedroom performances from their home studios. And I've signed up to do two different, like, bedroom performances that, you know, will be coming up, but... Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities now if you're willing to set that up. I mean, you have to have a way to film yourself and a way to send your signal out, which I actually do. Yeah. But <laughs> there's inexpensive ways to do that. Um, but you can look it up. There's things like, you know, just a push, because I, I do use Roland products. There's a thing called a Rolex, yeah. Roland Go Mixer. allows you to use your smartphone to link your camera and your phone and your studio equipment to your phone so you get a high-quality audio signal and visual. Um, wow. It goes right. You can kick it off on Twitch, and YouTube, and sound and um, Facebook. You can do live mm-hmm. performances. I do them all the time, and it goes right from my phone and right from my soundboard right into my phone.
1: Wow, I'm learning so much. <laughs> no, I, mean just, no, I just Thank wanted you to so give you, an as an indie
0: artist, like you want to get out there and like if you can do like a performance from your home studio on like acoustic guitar, or even a cappella. Um, you mm-hmm. know, rap, rappers like hip hop people, you don't have to play an instrument. But if you just, you know, sing to your backing track and then have a kind of intimate setting, you know, where you're mm-hmm. in your bedroom and you got your smartphone on you, and people dig that because it's it's, it's honest, you know. Yeah. And you, it's you, real. Yeah, it's real. And you can really start to push, and it's based on like how often do you want to do it. And Twitch kind of says like, you got to go on Twitch like all the time to be an affiliate. But it helps right. you. Like if you go and set yourself on Twitch and then you say, well, I'm going to go and perform like four times a week to stuff to my bedroom. Eventually mm-hmm. you'll get to be an affiliate and then you can earn money.
2: Wow. So that's another. That's so cool. Yeah.
0: It's just, it's just a matter of you doing the work and maybe investing in a good phone and a tripod in some way to get the signal out like a Go mixer. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but, <laughs> um, yeah. It's just there's so many things now that you don't have to get an agent to do that. You can go and put yourself on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and Twitch and you can get to your fans and then they see you and then you yep. can start, you know, selling merch. Because one of the things like, about being an indie artist is like, you know, mm-hmm. if you're on SoundCloud, or you're on these platforms, they don't really give you a lot of money for your music.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you actually
0: like as a musician, if you make a T-shirt or you do a button or you do a poster, you'll make more money selling your poster than you will sell your music. Um, that's true. Unless yeah. you get sync licensing, like if you get sync licensing for your music and you own your music, and then you you try to get it licensed for like TV and film and video games mm-hmm. and advertisement, that's how musicians today make more money through sync licensing and merch than they do from the music.
1: Right, especially now because everything's so different with Spotify and Deezer and Apple Music compared to how it was, you know, fifteen twenty years ago where. It was based on, yes. you know, song sales. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> CDs and even, yeah. out, you know, iTunes. You, you had to pay $9 to get record. Now people yeah. can just create a playlist and you get .06 of a penny for every yeah, screen. basically. So the only way you can make money is like, well, if you press your own vinyl and do a micro level vinyl with like 500 vinyls and you sell that at a concert, you'll make yeah. more money than you made on Spotify all year. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's insane. people will buy you vinyl true.
0: for $20, If and if you sign it, maybe $30, and if you have a poster in it, you could sell it for $40, and if you sell it with a t-shirt, you can sell it for $50, yeah. and if you look how much you spent to do it, and how much you get back, you make more money doing that.
1: <laughs> yeah, because these things are physical, you know? I think as humans, we love that physical kind of aspect, even though we can have like any kind of amount of music on our phones um there's nothing like getting a cd from the record shop anymore yeah like, <laughs> so when you're buying you know when you're buying merch and you're buying a vinyl it's that exciting rush that yeah a lot you, of indie artists i've have.
0: talked to is like they do micro level like 500 to a thousand copies even 200 copies of a vinyl when they go a tour and they do their shows they bring their vinyl with them and they and they sell it because their fans yeah. buy it because they want to be close to the band they'll be cool they'll like sign them you know, after the show or before the show, and you you connect with your fans. You give them something that's part of your creative mm-hmm. process. You know, if you you think about it, like the vinyl, you're allowed to do really cool liner notes. You can do really good artwork. You can kind of express yourself, yeah, and, and connect with Put your, your fans. All into it. Yeah, I mean, maybe not all your fans get it, but enough of your fans can help you, and you can actually make a pretty good living at that level if you run a kind of micro. Um, yeah. And it's just interesting again like, in the future of music, like streaming's kinda like the radio. They, they lets people know you're out there. It it, it mm-hmm. gets you known around the world. You know, and like when I started being the ghost, it's like I only had like four thousand fans. Now like on SoundCloud I hit like sixty thousand worldwide.
2: Wow. And they got That's pe- amazing. people
0: like in Israel and and and, and people in, in Africa, people in Berlin, you know. It get people like listening to the ghost, and they're like, I never even met them. They're all over the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's the coolest thing. Yeah,
0: it's just like how the reach of your music is, is like you you put an idea out there, you know, and you're really, you believe in it. Other people will get will find you, you know. And so you you do what you believe, what you feel, and your audience, absolutely. like, finds you. And, um, and you never know where they are. And you just say, okay, well, there is an audience there, and sometimes you're like, you might not end up being as big as the big, big, big artist, but you can, you can do pretty good. I mean, you get hit, you know, under two hundred thousand, under a hundred thousand, sixty thousand, fifty thousand people liking you as an indie artist. That's not bad if you learn how to market to them.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely not. And just having anyone listening to your music is a great accomplishment. Like. When I first had uh, my songs out on SoundCloud, I was so excited that two people that oh, yeah. didn't know me listened <laughs> to my songs. I was just over the moon.
0: Yeah, well, you get out there, you, you find an audience, you do shows. Like You're in an area, like, if we weren't under quarantine, you, you're you in a really rich, um you know, mm-hmm. performance area. You know, I've been yeah. to Black Door in 51. I did the, you know, I did, like... Uh, a couple of uh, shows in, uh, in, in in the Bronx and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, like I only do maybe like Fat Baby, maybe three, four hundred seat clubs, you know, when I do a show. But
1: Wow, Fat Baby. I used to love that place. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I do small shows, but, you know, I, I'm an electronic musician and I'm a live musician. I like to do, you know, performance, kind of like Funkadelic, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it's just, there's nothing like live performing. You, you, you've done live performance, Absolutely right? Not. It's like, how you kind of, like, maybe I'll ask you, when you do a live performance, you like to feed mm-hmm. off the crowd. Do they, do they kind of drive how you're going to do your performance?
1: So when I perform, I feel like I feel so much more comfortable when the music is on, <laughs> when I'm singing and doing my thing. Um, and when I'm performing, I feel like the audience makes me want to do the best that I can and I want to kind of portray the song that I'm singing in the best way so that they can understand it the way that I wrote it. Mm -hmm. Um, So whenever I see that people are enjoying it, it just makes me want to do better Um, Mm. and it just makes me feel so great. I got such a performance high after um, performing is just one of the best things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the things that you got to be cautious of as you get bigger uh, yeah, it's like as you get bigger, the problem as a musician is that performance high can be great, but it also can be somewhat self destructive if you don't know how mm-hmm. to channel it right. Uh, yeah, because um, some artists can't you know can't get off of that, and then they go into other things. Um, right, and it's just like you know from the lessons learned in the past, you read you know the big tragedies in art and music that have happened. Absolutely, um, it's just a balance. You, you, the problem is a lot of times artists are extreme people in the first place (laughs) Mm -hmm. and a lot of us have like issues that's that's why we can write (laughs) and so you just have to control your personal demons and and understand that they might be there um right and I think every artist that like gets comes to terms with what what's really going on and is honest Mm -hmm. with themselves can can push through is when you're not when you're not honest with yourself and you don't deal with it then that kind of compounds things
1: Um, Yeah. Wow. You know, what's funny is that we spoke about my influences and we didn't speak about one huge influence, which you just reminded me because we're talking about, you know, um, artists going down the self-destructive kind of path. Um, So Amy Winehouse. Oh, my God. Great. What a voice.
0: Totally great. The the thing is that the the greatness that she had came from the pain that she had. Yeah. You know, and she channeled that. And, and when she channeled it in a positive way, she made unbelievable art. And it's yes. kind of like Jas- Janis Joplin. Her and Janis Joplin kind of had the same kind of trajectory. They, they, you know, Janis Joplin had this kind of real feel for like, you know, soul music coming mm-hmm. in the, from a hippie aspect. And Amy Winehouse, a lot of people have kind of compared her to Janis. And they yeah. both had to kind of died young because they had yes. the, the, the extreme issues in their personality. They kind of drove their brilliant capability, but they couldn't control it you yeah. know, in their own life. And it's, like, it's sad to see that because well, you're just so good, but you don't, sometimes they don't believe in themselves. Right. You know, that it kind of yeah. the a hole in their self that they can't solve.
1: And they can't fill it. They can't yeah. fill
0: it with anything. And it just, it's just kind of sad to see because you can't. You can tell them, you know, the fans tell them they love them as much as they do. And it's like sometimes people don't believe it. You know, they don't believe it in themselves. It's kind of hard because, like, there's so many great artists that have gone down that road.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's the 27 Club for a reason, you know. It's
0: hard. It's definitely
1: hard, yeah.
0: Well, the thing that makes makes you an artist (laughs) is the fact that you can pull that that pain out of you and create something positive.
2: Right. It's just hard to kind of
0: handle that after you get it, and then fame kind of compounds it. And the industry sometimes doesn't really help you because right. sometimes the an- industry will kind of focus on your negative points
1: yeah, to, that makes, to, make, <laughs> to make
0: money. And yeah. like, then if they dive down on what is negative about you and it makes money, then you continue to do behaviors that might hurt you. Right. You know, but, because it's
1: making you, it's giving you the publicity. It's giving you the money that you need. It's yeah. So you have kinda, to kind
0: of find a way to, you know, Kurt Cobain. I mean, people told him to like, stop touring. You, you need to take a break. I mean, it was famous, like Neil Young called Kurt Cobain and told him like, if you don't feel good about touring and you don't feel, you know, it's helping your health man. you need to stop. And he just couldn't get off the machine. And it, it ended up, you know, being the end of him because he really didn't want to do it. And he was being like right. forced to do it. And it just got to a point where he just couldn't take it. And it's like, he couldn't get off the trail. You know, he couldn't get off the train. Yeah, and and that's sometimes that happens because you you become like a, a victim of your own success.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, but sorry, but a lot of no, us indie of... artists,
0: we never get to that level. <laughs> <laughs> not
1: yet, at least not yet.
0: <laughs> you know, so we don't usually have to worry about that. We're like we're well, we're trying to get on the train to a certain degree.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know something that all of those kind of greats who kind of weren't able to. Um, deal with their success or you know kind of had their demons that they were dealing with and just couldn't take it anymore um they were all real and they all had their struggles and they all shared their struggles and they had a unique voice which is something that um i aspire to have and i aspire to kind of be um not in necessarily in that vein yeah you know, yeah. You know, everybody wants destructive to, path. yeah
0: everybody yeah. wants to take a piece of that that fire yeah. that makes you a shooting star, you know, and then they don't want to burn out, you know, and Absolutely. they they want to catch on to that and learn how to use it. And we've got a good examples of the people that have been able to like mm-hmm. get through that, you know, people right. that have survived it. Bob Dylan survived it. Bruce Grinstein survived it. You know, Neil Young survived it. They're, they're famous guys that are still around, you know, that sur- they had their heydays and they're still around. They've gotten to old age, you know, Keith Richards from the Stones like, <laughs> the most self-destructive yeah. guys in the world Sur- survived like you know outlived Jim Morris, outlived Hendrix <laughs> outlived all these great artists and he was just as kind of crazy as any of them uh he just somehow had you know a way to to do it um and it's weird like you know you don't you don't know how some people are able to do it and some people can't you know but yeah he, yeah. yeah, he decided one time, you know, he had, had been really addicted to, like, opiates. And he finally, for the band, said, well, we're going to, that Stones is going to go away unless you stop. And he finally stopped. And that kind of saved them and Stones. It's like, he finally decided, well, I can't do that. And and he, he made the decision to stop. And it, it was hard for him to do it. I read a book about it, and it was like it was a big struggle. And it, it, not a lot of people could do that. And he did, and that's the reason why he's still around. Um, Right. But it's interesting, you know, the whole story of music is full of that, you know, that that type of thing. But
2: yeah.
0: But where do you stand, like, um, like now that I said these cool things are happening Mm -hmm. now with Spotify and SoundCloud. I always had these questions, like, what are your opinions of the streaming services? And one of the things a lot of artists used to say was, like, you know, they need to find ways for artists to get other income. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now yeah. they're finally starting to do it, but you know, up until you know this whole crisis, they didn't. Uh, and you had to kind of tour to make money. Um, yeah. So what are, what are your kind of strategies for the future of your music? What are you thinking you need to do?
1: So I I love streaming service services. I think that they're great. I think that they're able to put your music out there, get them into the right playlist if you have the luck, um, and you get them to the right people that you want to listen to your music um i think they're great they put your music out there um it extends your reach and it does all the things that you would have done through a you know a label um but there are so much more different things that you can do other than streaming services to get your music out there i don't think that having your music on a streaming service to define success i think that success is defined by the person Um, and I'm just kind of working on my plan right now um, especially since I'm working on my mixtape right now um, and working on a plan to kind of share my mixtape and make sure that it's um, advertised the way that I would like it to be after it's done Mm -hmm. and I have plans to kind of perform at different open mics and I'm creating my own little tour kind of thing Um, So that I share it when it comes out Um, and just like making sure that I have the contacts for, you know, playlists and things like that. And and, you know, putting it out there. That's that's the the, the only thing that I can do is make my music and make it the way that I want it to be and then share it and hope that somebody else likes it, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's why I started this podcast. I wanted to have another way of um, connecting to musicians and I knew that every musician needs to get their story out, and you know I like talking to other musicians because I like working with other musicians. So I, I you know, when I get to talk to different musicians, I get different points of view. But also, in a weird, I mean, not a strange way, but this pushes my my brand as well. So, so I found a way of um, taking some time out of me writing music and talking to other people.
2: Right.
0: Found a way to build another audience, and so. This audience went from being like three thousand people to twenty three thousand, um, wow. and so this this kind of you know what isn't directly involved with my own music, but it actually pushes my brand. And so there's all kinds of ways that as you're an artist, it's like you can get opportunities, you know, to do podcast or video podcast or you know you know features with other artists or other things that you can do, and, and- it might not be directly in the trajectory, but you, you, you end up helping you.
1: Absolutely. It's where, you know, there are so many possibilities. And if you, as artists, especially now in this time, it's kind of foolish to not take advantage of those opportunities. And you just kind of have to make a way for yourself the way that you can. And, and that's what I'm trying to do.
0: Yeah. So there, this new reality with Corona, what these are new questions. Um, <laughs> Like, what's really been, like, a dead stop, to I've dealt with a lot yeah. of, like, rock bands, right, that, that the way they make money is they tour the world. They're small, mm-hmm. but they'll go to Sweden, or they'll go to the Netherlands, they'll go to Australia, and they get into these niche markets, and they get on these tours, they get to go to festivals, and they be on the small stage, but they still get to play, and they make an income stream, and now all this mm-hmm. comes to, like, a dead stop. Um, and so they're all trying to, you know, go on Twitch and do Facebook Live and YouTube, um, and some of them are, are, are learning how to do that because they weren't really set up to do that. They were primarily like live apps, and they had more invested in their Marshall stats and their road bus and all that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so what do you thinking? Do you have you're just starting to think about doing that, but now the reality is mm-hmm. we're kind of locked down. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't know when they're going to unlock it. So what are you thinking you're going to, you're going to do for that?
1: Yeah. So right now I'm actually, well, I've always kind of believed that, you know, everything kind of happens for a reason. So, um, I'm just taking it day by day, step by step, breath by breath, because I do get anxious. Um, so I'm just going to kind of let the cards play out for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been working on my mixtape with this great engineer, um, and producer, um, and I've been doing that for the last three months um, and kind of honing and making sure that everything sounds the way that I want it to sound. And I was literally at the cusp of the end. So I was almost there and almost over um, kind of like recording everything and then Going back and then cutting and Mm. making the changes that I need to make. Um, So, this coronavirus literally came right dead center in the middle of my process. (laughs) But um, I'm just taking it day by day. I'm actually writing more songs while I have this kind of quote unquote break since I can't go to the studio right now. Mm. Um, Been writing songs, been learning how to make beats, um, been learning how to produce my own things, learning how to mix and master um as i go and this producer that i do work with he actually came out with like a corona <laughs> coronavirus like beat pack so oh, cool. i'm actually working on a quarantine and chill like um ep That's cool. so i'm d- yeah so I'm doing that now and putting that out in the meantime um and not worrying about when I'm gonna get my mixtape out there because I know that I'll go back to it when I can and get it out when I can well
0: hopefully maybe some of the studios will go to like um a thing where you could just send them your your vocals go back and forth you know where you don't have to physically go in but um you never know but sometimes you have to with some studios to kind of set up for that but um and, and, you know, things change and evolve as things have mm-hmm. after, you know, it dictates like, okay, well, I might have to learn how to do that without going to right. the studio because the way the world is suddenly changed.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm definitely looking because I have, I have my equipment at home and it's not the best. Yeah, I yeah. record my stuff on GarageBand. Yeah. Um, I kind of learn how to make my beats on GarageBand. And I have like you know my Audio Technica mic, which is great for what I have now, but not the yeah. Not where you can get in a um, studio. In
0: a studio, you could get like a three thousand, five thousand dollar mic.
1: <laughs> exactly. So it's like it's I have to weigh my options for right now. So right now, I'm just kind of doing the indie thing and creating uh, my mixed like my little EP mixtape at home for the coronavirus and putting that out for for my fans and the people who listen to my music and. Hopefully, you got some more
2: people listening,
0: and just um, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: gotta stay consistent. Gotta stay out there. Gotta. Yeah,
0: know. I I invested in my home studio over the last ten years, buying pieces that that gave me capability to kind of do pretty good masters and could, you know, got got, got like pretty decent mics and preamps mm-hmm. and all this stuff. I just like over time, just because it's it's more than a hobby. I just built it up because I said, well, you know. We'll I don't want to pay somebody if I can kind of have my own stuff. So I, yeah. I just went and bought all the gear over time, and I just built it, yeah. built it, built it up. And now because of this like whole coronavirus thing, it was like, well, that was a good investment.
1: <laughs> oh my god, yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm right there with you. I actually wanted to create my own little in home studio myself and kind of built it, built it from scratch. Um, and then this whole thing happened and then, you know, jobs and everything aren't that great right now. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, soon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get there.
0: Yeah. Uh, my, my day job is I'm an IT guy and e- oh, even nice. though I'm IT, I got like, I got laid off and so I'm in between. But, um, right. and, and I used to do a gig job. I used to do Uber <laughs> to, to, wow, to, buy, yeah. to and Lyft to do my, um, to buy my, my, my cents. Like a lot of my cents are because I did Uber and Lyft. And then suddenly, you know, my governor put a state of emergency, and what? I can't do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, I, mean, I haven't been doing Same.
0: Uber Lyft for like three weeks. You know, I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: But um, yeah, it's like it changed. It's like a lot. I know a lot of musicians that did Uber and stuff to buy, you know, their Moog or to buy their preamps mm-hmm. or to buy their mics. And we're kind of like, oh, we can't do it now, um, and um, and yeah, we're trying to figure out other stuff. But um, yeah, it's just the world changes but as musicians we're 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 creative. we find things we find different ways to do it there's a lot of cool stuff like i said people are doing online concerts you got to check it mm-hmm. out there's a lot of people looking for indie artists to do bedroom concerts and so if you, you to check it out and see if there's um a way for you to do that in between you might be able to do it
1: yeah absolutely i'm definitely going to look that up and definitely going to uh search up all of the information that you just told me <laughs> because it's going definitely going to be helpful for me, especially during this time that I have so much time on my hands well um, oh, it's
0: always good to look at um there's some really good tutorials on the on the, um on the net there's a guy mm-hmm. called Loop Pop that does a lot of stuff with synthesizers and drum machines um you know moog the, the company moog itself has all these tutorials Roland has tutorials. Almost all the companies that make gear have tutorials on YouTube about how to use mm-hmm. the gear and how to actually do like, better placement for mics and the best way to like, you know, get white noise out of your mix and all kinds of cool stuff. So when you start diving into it, <clears throat> YouTube is a great resource. There's like, tons of stuff on, on recording.
1: YouTube University, right? <laughs> yeah, there's tons
0: of stuff from all the companies that make the gear. They have free videos. Some of them are like hour-long videos talking about how to do stuff and it you know if you really dive into it you can get into a lot of cool stuff since you have time oh
1: my god (laughs) yeah yeah for sure we're definitely going to have to get more into it um after this conversation (laughs) for sure i would love to know anything that you any information that you have to offer i would
0: really appreciate oh yeah i built stuff from scratch i have a bunch of stuff i built but um and i bought you know things that are out there and yeah, we, I can tell you, like, offline, there's a lot of cool things you can get. There different budgets. There's things that you can do on low budget that's still pretty good quality. They can get mm-hmm. your, your masters really pretty set. So, yeah, yeah we can okay. talk about that. But what we're going to do is this podcast goes out to 11 platforms after we talk.
2: Oh, nice. I'm able okay. to
0: put your uh, hyperlinks on here. So I can, I'll put your Instagram profile, and I'll put your Spotify profile on it so when people click on it and one cool thing about anchor fm is we're actually part of spotify and so we are linked into instagram and we can create a highlight on our instagram that goes to the podcast version of this show on spotify so when i i will create a highlight on my instagram that will directly go to spotify episode the spotify episode of this podcast which will, is a pretty big you know, audience there. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And yeah, and you can do the same thing if you, you know, fig- figure out how to link it. But if you have a yeah. Spotify account, I'm not sure. Not everybody has that. But we will put um, a bunch of links. It's going to go out to 11 platforms, including Apple and Amazon, Radio Public, a bunch of them, um, Overcast. There's many, many more. We're all kind of linked into the whole podcast universe. And within like oh, awesome. maybe a half hour, an hour, these will start to get published out there.
1: Well, I'm excited. And thank you so much for interviewing me today. I've had such a good time talking about music and everything um, and learning so much more from you as well. Um, And I hope that we get to collaborate sometime soon. And um, I wish you all the luck with this podcast because it's definitely been one of the best conversations I've had in a while.
0: (laughs) Cool. Yeah, I'm always down to collab. I'm always working on stuff. I record pretty much every day because now i have nothing else to do (laughs) right (laughs) so i'm always looking for different things so yeah um yeah i'm always creating beats and you know synth lines and bass lines and whatever i do stuff all day um yeah so if you're ever into that i can always send you a beat and see if you like it but um yeah we'll talk
1: absolutely thanks okay
0: (laughs) have a good night you as well, Caroline Mercedes. Everybody, check out her music on Spotify. She's gonna have a, a mixtape coming out shortly, sometime in twenty twenty, yes. and uh, yes, within it's,
1: the next couple of months, hopefully. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, you know, when your mixtape comes out, we can have you come back on and talk about
1: it. Absolutely, I would love that.
0: Okay, thank you. Have a good.